This is our third session now on 1 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 10. And we're going to talk about um, what it means to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. And we'll save this reference to wrath here for next time. So who is, what does it mean to call Jesus, Jesus, the son, and how do we wait and serve? Let's read this. They themselves report concerning us the kind of entrance we had among you, you Thessalonians, when we first preached to you, and how you turned toward God So they turned toward God, and they had faith toward God. And Jesus isn't mentioned here, and Jesus isn't mentioned here. And so now, finally, we get a reference to Jesus here. And so we want to discern who he is and why he's called the Son. Turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So, Father, as we now ask about who it is that we're waiting for and what it means to wait in the light of being servants, show us what it meant for them, what it means for us, so that we would not be slothful while we wait for you to come in your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. So first, who are we waiting for? The Son from heaven, who is raised from the dead, Jesus. So we start with Jesus. Now we know it's the Lord Jesus, referred to back in verse 3. And this Lord Jesus was raised from the dead after his crucifixion. And when he was raised from the dead, according to Ephesians 1.20, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So when it says he's coming from heaven, it's because upon his resurrection, God exalted Jesus, the God-man, who is both divine and human now, to his right hand to reign until his enemies are put under his feet, and so he will come from heaven. And he's called the Son. What does that mean? His, God's Son. The reason we should linger over this and get it clear, even though it's a very familiar word to a lot of Christians, It's not familiar to people who are not Christians, and there are about a billion Muslims who misunderstand this profoundly because they have distorted notions of what Christians mean when they call Jesus the Son of God. They think that God, we think God had sex with Mary, and Mary had this human baby, and then he was uh, exalted to be a son. No, no, no. Here's the clarification most explicitly in John's gospel, and then I'll relate it to what Paul teaches. In the beginning was the Word, 
So in the very beginning was the Word. Doesn't call him a son yet. He's using this category of God's verbal communication. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now there's the mystery that is so hard for people to grasp, and we can understand why it is, but it's the way God revealed it. The Word is with God, and so he is somehow distinct from God, and the Word is God. And so he is God. And that's not a contradiction. It's puzzling, but there's a sense in which he is with God and is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Therefore, this word and this, we're going to call him a son in just a minute, this word, this son, was not among the things that were made, because he made them all. Everything that was made, he made. So he's not made. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was the highest creature. He's not a creature. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh. So the Holy Spirit, according to Luke 1.35, came over Mary. And Mary experienced what we call the incarnation of this eternal word. The incarnation does not bring the word into being, doesn't bring the Son into being. The Son and the word have always existed, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son. Now he shifts categories, right? He's been calling him word, with God, word, was God. Now this Son is the one who was with God. This son is the one who was God. So son of God is to be understood in an eternal category of God's self-expression, God's character, God's uh, putting himself forward in his own image and knowing himself perfectly. He is the son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he, this Son, who is God, has made him known. Now, Paul affirms that by saying in Colossians 2.9, in Christ Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, he was God, dwells bodily. Incarnate deity, Jesus Christ. So, the Son of God here is very God of very God. He was with God from the beginning, and he was God from the beginning. He became a man. He died. He was raised. He is in heaven at the Father's right hand. We know him as Jesus. Now, what does it mean to serve that God and wait for that Jesus? And I would just draw the two together to say, this waiting is not sitting under a tree, twiddling our thumbs with our eyes, staring into the clouds, wondering when this sun will appear on the clouds and do this deliverance from wrath. No, rather, 
they departed from idols and they are serving. This is the word that a slave does. We are no longer slaves to dumb idols, slaves to sin. We are slaves of God, which is the happiest place possibly to be because the Holy Spirit reveals the Son to us as our great Savior and the great satisfier of our lives. And it becomes the highest privilege of our lives to be conformed to Him and live in service to the Father. Here's the way Jesus described it. This is Luke 19, 11. Jesus proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. In other words, the kingdom that Jesus is going to bring with him when he comes after this long delay, which they thought would be short. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to indicate there's going to be some time lapse here before he returns to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, that's an amount of money, and said to them, engage in business until I come. <laughs> that's what Paul means when he says, serve the living God while you wait for the Son from heaven. Engage in business until I come. And here's the other way Jesus says, Luke 12, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus' second coming is going to happen at an hour we do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And instead of answering the question, he puts it to see whether we can figure that out. The Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give him their portion of food at the proper time? That's what we should be doing while he's gone. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So, the picture here, fleshed out by Jesus like that, is we have turned, Christians when they're converted, turned from idols, and they have a new master, and they are about his business with all their faithful, faith-filled might. And indeed, their eyes are on the heavens, but not in a way that distracts from service but that empowers service because we know that whatever happens to us, he's coming and he's going to deliver us. And we'll talk about that next time.